Hello and welcome to episode six of Hops and Hans <laughs> podcast. My name is Troy. I'm Katie. And we're back with you. It's been like a month or so. I don't remember. Keeping you on your toes. Told you. Yeah, anyways, today we are going to talk about Asheville, North Carolina. I have not been there. I've driven through it. Katie just recently, well, recently, recently mm-hmm. went there and she enjoyed it and she brought back like four cases of beer. Not all for us. Well, I brought like one, two back for me, one for you, Kyle. Actually, Kyle brought like two for himself. Okay. So we came back with like six six packs, seven six packs. Alcoholism is its finest. And it's only it, in Asheville. Do you, do you consider alcoholism if we're in a pandemic and you have to stay at home and you have to drink? Because like... To cope? To cope, yeah. Like you got to... No. Yeah, like our societal problems, our illness problems, our... Sports problems are... What are the sports problems? Well... Dodgers clinched. You're not a Reds fan. Pac-12. <laughs> oh, Pac-12, but that might be coming back. I, I, right? could, I could start our own podcast to just how much the Pac-12 is shit. <laughs> and how USC needs to get out of that conference and go somewhere else. Wherever they or go. Or go independent. Go independent. I think I that's probably know. the best situation for them. They can garner their own contract for a TV. True. But Nordane did it. And I think we're, we're as big as, if not... Bigger than Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame has its history, we have more changes. We have a better media market than Notre Dame. I don't exactly. That's what I'm saying. The other contract with NBC, I don't see why USC wouldn't be able to get their own TV. That's network. fair. Fair. So, anyways, that's a tangent on college football. <laughs> They're supposed to vote today, but I don't trust them. I thought I saw something about like them setting up co- cohorts and stuff like that. I don't really yeah, they're, much into they're, it, but they were saying that California will allow them to have enough. Well, you know, limit for them to pr- have practices and stuff, but so we'll see what happens. It's not even up to, it's not that point. That was the, I mean, that was the biggest issue, obstacle, yeah. but we'll see what happens going forward with like the presidents and all that, the people who make the money, not the people who put their bodies on the line or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So Katie, is there anything new in your life? Have you been on any recent adventures? Well, you kind of highlighted it in the beginning. Well, I didn't say the other part you wanted Yeah, to. we, um... Took a week off of work. Finally, it's been over a year since we had a vacation. We went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which is like... Okay, first of all, I like to call bullshit on that. What? <laughs> you went to Helenhead. That was like... No, it wasn't like a full <laughs> week off. That was like... But you still That laughed. was like th- three days. You got three full days off. Yeah, I still physically <laughs> went somewhere, but like it wasn't like... I mean, it was enjoyable, but it was short. I needed like a full week off, not like checking emails or being worried about work and... So we took a week off, and we went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, to go hiking, and we stayed in this really cool cabin. It was all wood, and we were, like, in the middle of nowhere, Um, and we actually, like, went into Gatlinburg one day, and it was, like, hillbilly central. No offense to people who live in Gatlinburg. (laughs) It was, like, wild. (laughs) Okay, like, it reminded me of Mammoth, but Mammoth doesn't have any hillbillies so that's what was weird should i not say hillbilly is that offensive i don't know <laughs> you're looking you're giving me a look like should i stop saying that? i don't know i don't know you're saying a lot none of our listeners are, live there so i hopefully no one's offended by that term but um <clears throat> do they even have wi-fi in gatlinburg uh <laughs> at my cabin there that's, was a joke. oh <laughs> but um yeah that's pretty cool um 
it seemed like no one believed the pandemic was occurring in Gatlinburg, so it was a little scary. But um, other than that, it was okay. We only went to town one day. The rest of the time, we were at our cabin, and we ate outside like a couple times, but that was it. Um, and then from Gatlinburg, we went to Asheville, and we were in Asheville for five days. Went to a bunch of breweries and went hiking there and visited some family and got to visit some cool places. So I brought beer back for Troy and we decided to cover Asheville today. Uh, Troy, do you want to say what your beer is? Sure thing. It is from Burial Beer Company. It's called Surf Wax India Pale Ale. I really like the can design. It's it's basically Atlas Rock. It looks space and ocean combined. Actually, the snow and waves. <laughs> It's like ice mountains, and it's, it's just a really cool design, and uh, it's really good. It's a little hoppy, good citrus flavor to it. It's really easy to drink, and uh, oh, there's like a skull in the back, so that's cool to get a for. Oh, there, there are waves on the back. Okay, I like <laughs> it. I also like it because there's a couple quotes from Point Break, one of the best movies ever. One says, fear causes hesitation, and the very end it says, via condio, so, you know, Bodhi said those. R.I.P. Patrick Swayze. The original the Point go. Break, not the latest Point Break. Yeah, that one was bullshit. I saw it. Don't even waste your time. <laughs> Set in Cincinnati. That's, that was cool. Wait, what? Said Point Break? Wasn't that Point Break? Or what was the movie that was set in Cincinnati that came out on Netflix? I thought it was called Point Break. Are you sure? Um, the guy, it was the guy, it was like, he, someone escaped from a hospital and he was supposed to be arrested and he kidnapped someone to help him, like, no, that's a totally different movie. <laughs> but I think there's point in the, the title. Hang on, I'll pull it up. I'm pretty sure it's called Point Break, but no. it wasn't like a remake of Point Break. No, it's it? the one with Anthony Mackie, right? Yeah. Totally different movie. <laughs> there was a Point Break remake. But Are you sure? It was more extreme sports. Uh, point Blank. Point Blank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Anthony Mackie and Frank Grillo. That was based in Cincinnati. It was a it was an okay movie that one. I would <laughs> but say, but there was a remake of Point Break, right? Yes, <laughs> it was. It was in that one. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone big in that one. There's a bunch of like. Oh my god! You know? I can't believe I messed that one up. Like I, this entire time, I was like, Point Break. Why yeah. was this movie called Point Break when there's already a movie called Point Break? Let's see. But it's Point Blank. <laughs> yeah, Point Blank it had Frank Grillo in it and Anthony Mackie, <laughs> Marvel Connection right there. I think it's a couple other. Oh, yeah, I forgot Frank Grillo was in. Marvel, yeah. Yeah. What was his name? Oh, let's see. Edgar Ramirez was in the newest uh, Point Break. Uh, Ray Winstone, Teresa Palmer. Oh, I know who Teresa Palmer is. Max Terrio. She's like, wait, Max Terrio? Yeah, like your former crush, Max Terrio. You have to say former. He's not former. (laughs) Sorry, I apologize (laughs) for the record. Not a former crush, it's still a crush. I think uh, he's my age. I think he's, like, hella married, uh, though. So. Delroy Lindo. Not that it matters, so There's but. some big names in that, but, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a movie that you should waste your time on. Point Blank was good, though. Point Blank was okay. It wasn't the best movie, either. If you... But, I mean, it was cool because it's this whole Cincinnati aspect, but... Yeah, if you live that, in Cincinnati, it's cool because you can see, like, different landmarks and stuff like that. So yeah. I thought that was... That's pretty much the reason why I watched it, so... Anyways, um... It's okay. You want to talk about... Did you talk about your beer already? I have not, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the point blank. I mean, point break. <laughs> okay, so I am drinking Highwire Lager. Highwire is probably one of my favorite breweries ever. Um, 
it is really good, really easy to drink, and the can design is pretty cool. It has a, was it a trapeze artist? Is that what that is? Hower. Oh. <laughs> tightrope. It's a tightrope walker. Tightrope walker. Oh, wait. Hower was a movie. Is I it? think it is tightrope, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's someone walking on a tightrope on the can, and it's really cool. And it was like, we went to two other breweries. They have a couple different locations in Asheville, and the big one, I don't know if it's the main one, but it's the big top location. It's like circus scene and all that, and everything is super cool inside. Um, so, yeah, that was one. Well, actually, I went to Burial, too, but those are two of the breweries that we went to, and we went to shout out to all these breweries that i went to green man catawba which had some of my favorite beers ever too um twin leaf wicked weed and hillman hillman was kind of not in the downtown area but they had some good beers too so um overall we had a really great time um going away and it was an easy drive so we'll definitely be back in Asheville sometime soon but um i gave me and troy some ideas for topics to cover uh, oh, Troy, do you, do you have anything new you want to talk about? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, well, we're recording this on the 24th mm, of September. September. And on the 6th, s- whatever the Monday is, I start my LPN program. Nursing, and then I'll be in that for a year. And then we'll see if I go straight into the RN program or I decide to take a couple months off. Because it'll be six. This December will be six years since I last been in a classroom mm-hmm. as far as school. So we'll see how that goes. Gotta get back into it. Yeah, and it's to be a, a lot more yeah. high intense stuff. You know, trying to save lives and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. So that also means we're not sure about our scheduling as far as recording podcasts. Obviously, it's already shit. Yeah. But going forward, we're not sure like you know how busy I'll get with uh, doing this and how busy Kitty gets with, you know, getting remarried and also... Everything's planned, man. I just got to get there now. <laughs> yeah, what if she has, like, an accidental kid, you know? Who knows? Why would you wish that on me? I don't wish that on you. I'm just saying you never know. <laughs> don't put that in the universe, man. No way I'm having a baby right now. Could you imagine, wait, if I get pregnant right now, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June? <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's going to cut it real close. It's a good wedding present. No, thank you. No babies allowed here. Yeah, so, so primarily me getting busy with school and we'll see what we can end up doing we also want to start another podcast where we just kind of freewheel it and just talk about whatever is on our mind basically mm-hmm. just to vent mm-hmm. so i think we could try and shoot try and shoot for next week to do that yeah stay tuned getting to school so yeah that's gonna be more <laughs> we'll get into more heavy topics and probably a lot of politics because <laughs> we're so social events social we're, issues we're so you know uh, able to talk about them because you know we're so smart. <laughs> well, I think we're more inept. educated than a lot of people. In- who talk inept about it, so. is that a word? Inept is that the inept, right word? Inept, yeah. Is that the right word I'm using? I don't know. Wait, how are you using it? I don't know. I'm Google it. Nope, inept is not the right word. Inept is <laughs> it's not total, total opposite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, just being able to talk about it and mm-hmm. yeah. really seeing. Feelings and emotions. And demons. Yeah. If you listen to our special episode a couple episodes ago, you kind of, that's like a sneak preview, Yeah, I think. 
I'm sure we'll have more to say besides what we had talked yeah, about. Yeah, that was pretty, I mean, it was very non-controversial in my opinion, but yeah. some people felt it was controversial. <laughs> and we do still stand by our statements. Yeah, and, uh, we're still fully Black Lives Matter. Come on, people. That, and just, you know, <laughs> be kind to one another, be nice, and don't, like... Have empathy. That's the biggest be... thing. Is, like, people don't have empathy. They're like, oh, it doesn't affect me, so, like, I'm not worried about it. And yeah, it's just like, straight up, don't be an asshole. Yeah. If you're an asshole, I'm not going to like you, and I don't want to not like people. Yeah, so that's our PSA for this episode. Um, don't be an asshole. Be kind to each other. Have empathy. R.I.P. R.B.G. R.I.P. R.B.G. Yeah. Pour one out for my homie. Yeah. Okay. And we're going to get now into the episode. Uh, so I covered Biltmore Estates, or Estate, apologies. Um, I have not been there. Obviously, Katie went there. I didn't go there. You didn't go there. You just told me you went there. <laughs> It was like a whole day thing, and it was expensive, so we didn't go. Oh, I went to I went to where I'm talking about. Oh, so the whole entire time you're talking about that place. Yeah, that place I was, the one that you're covering. Mm-hmm. I was fairly certain it's haunted. I just didn't make it there. I'm gonna make it there next time though. Got it. Okay. I'm so sorry. I misled you. <laughs> I thought you said that you ate at a restaurant here. It... No, 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 no. I ate at the restaurant at my place. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I did the Biltmore Estate. Um. It was okay. So. It was built by George Washington Vanderbilt. It differentiates between the second or the third because he technically had an uncle who died like when he was, I think when the uncle was eight years old. Damn. So he was technically a second. But so George Vanderbilt built the third. That's what we'll go forth with. So it was constructed from 1889 to 1895. It was a private residence and contained 250 rooms. So... At that time, I'm sure it's still the record, the largest privately owned mansion in the United States. And so he built it because he's visiting his mom off and on in Asheville and really liked the land. So he bought a bunch of land and decided to make it, I think they said, like in his vacation home, but I think he hmm. permanently lived there later on. It sits on 8,000 acres. And uh, in order to keep a steady pace of uh, construction, they uh, built a woodworking factory and a brick kiln, which I assume is like a factory that makes bricks because it says uh, the kiln was said to produce as many as 32,000 bricks per day. Isn't the kiln like the the actual thing that makes like, I yeah, it I'm makes not... the bricks. It's not like the factory. It's like the actual process. It probably, yeah. It probably <laughs> is. And the, those were both uh, constructed and added to the site to, you know, make it going at a good rate so uh as far as interior de- decor uh vanderbilt tra- traveled far and wide as far as europe to try and find pieces paintings artifacts books uh he was known to go to his library that was eventually built when there was like a stormy or a storm coming in he would go to his library i don't know if like to watch the storm or just mm-hmm. seek shelter whatever he, it may be but uh after it was completed, um, it sat as a private residence, and it was also known to host many prominent figures, uh, including former U.S. presidents. They would they would also they would stay there, or they would sometimes just visit there. And on the edge of the said property sits the Shiloh Forestry Compound, or the Biltmore Forestry School. Um, it was a compound, but the forestry school was inside the building, obviously. And the forester hired for the estate was Carl Schenck. Uh, later on down the road, Schenck and Vanderbilt had a falling out over payment dispute, you know, as most people have falling out with their bosses over paying, not getting paid enough. 
someone unfortunately Vanderbilt did pass away from complications of an emergency appendectomy at the age of 51 in Washington DC so he did not pass away in the house but uh his ghost is known to roam the hallways I'll get into it is that Vanderbilt as in like Vanderbilt University I'm sure there's some relation to it. It's got to be, right? I mean, that's close by. Well, the family was well-known for their wealth, for Uh, railroad, steam. The money. Yeah, the money. Yeah. And so the residence was, uh, after his passing, the residence was kept private until the Great Depression, which then became a tourist attraction afterwards to get some profits in, because, you know, it was a 250-room mansion. You got to... And there's, I'm sure there's groundskeepers, employees in there. you got to pay them somehow. So in order to get profits, they had as a tourist attraction. Then when it hit World War II, it forced the state closed, with many artifacts going into a protected location as a precaution of any attack from the Axis powers if they were to come over land and bomb or even invade. But, you know, it didn't happen. And then after that, it just went through a couple generations his wife, Edith, lived there until her death, and a couple of grandchildren stayed there and kept it as a private residence, and eventually it became a historical landmark in 1963, and then annually, the state sees more than one million visitors per year. So wow. That's a pretty hefty amount. So, going into that, there have been plenty of visitors and staff who have said to have uh, heard the word George whispered. Uh, people think it's from Edith, his wife, looking for him or getting ready to call him. They said he'd be known to be in the library while he had guests, and she'd call uh-huh. George for him to come uh-huh. to the guests. So it's like, um, what's the type of haunting that is? It's like um, residual. Residual, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they said they repeatedly hear that in the hallways. And uh, so Edith and George are both believed to be wandering the mansion. Edith looking for her husband. George, they've been he's been known to see, be seen in the, the library. And especially when there's a storm coming and they'll see storm clouds. Ooh. They sometimes see like a figure in the, the windows because that's where he'd be when a Like storm... you see it from the outside looking in? I believe so. Oh. Probably from the inside too, but they said that's where he would be during... Oh my God, scare the shit out of me. Sorry, I hit the table. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like when there were storms, when he was alive, he would go to the library and whatever he did in there. So now you can see him in the library. So yeah, window. that's what that's they said. That's creepy as hell. And then employees working the grounds at night have heard laughter glasses clinking and you know random party noises but there have been no parties at that time so people aren't sure what that's coming from so mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting and uh, the stairways in the mansion have been known to had multiple things happen they people have heard footsteps they've also had strange odors cold spots and just eerie feelings just being on the stairs so that's you know very comforting if you're ever there <laughs> visiting <laughs> i don't know if would you call it, it comforting like they can feel something weird on the stairs like th- it was like kind of sarcasm oh <laughs> i don't oh, know how you sorry. missed that your, your you tone was it. a little off there <laughs> i don't know how you missed that but, <laughs> sorry <laughs> but also the the one thing that stood out to me was uh i also called the creepiest portion of the hauntings they said there is an alleged sight of a headless orange cat roaming the garden area. Why is it headless? No idea. They they said the Vanderbilts weren't known to have pets, so they're not sure where that came from. What, what the hell? A stray cat, maybe. I don't know what happened to I mean, the a, head. A ghost cat's okay, but why is his head missing? And then, uh, as previously <laughs> mentioned, there is that forestry compound that was on the site. It's on the edge of the property. I think it's still listed as the Vanderbilt property. But anyways... Uh, so after Shank had left, Carl Shank had left the forester that was hired to 
run the forestry school. It was supposed to be like a year-long school. People learn how to be a forester, for, learn some forestry skills. You know, it was abandoned because of uh, the payment dispute. So it didn't get many uses. It was just an abandoned building. But the location of it on the property and in Asheville is very secluded. So I'm guessing it's in the woods somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's an abandoned building. No one would be in there. And prostitutes would take their johns to there and they would have their little rendezvous. Johns, is that what they call them? Johns is like a client, essentially. Fancy. And I don't have any further details besides there was one prostitute who was murdered there with the building being known because of all the prostitutes who would go there with the Johns and be called the whorehouse, quote unquote. (laughs) But yeah, so there was one prostitute who was murdered there and she is known to have... uh, uh, been seen, I don't know if she's been seen around the building, but I've seen shadowy figures. But they just assume it's her. Yeah, yeah. Following uh, the whorehouse, and I'm, I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're still. Do you feel uncomfortable saying whorehouse? No, no, no. I don't, I don't know if there's still prostitution going around where people go there and use it as such. But I know visitors have been told not to go there. Oh. Just because there could be that scandalous. Uh, but uh. Besides the whorehouse, there is also uh, rumored to have been secret hangings that have taken place there. And the last of which had allegedly taken place in the early 50s. So that's, uh, you know, semi-recent, about, what, 70 years ago or so? Yeah. And who knows, in the 50s and 60s, who were being hung. You know, I think you can read between the lines. Oh. Yeah. It didn't mention anything. But it's it alluding, yeah. Yeah, I just kind of... Anyways, so definitely Carl Schenck is one of the the spirits to said to have been haunting the site. And uh, as far as the early 60s, that was the first known sightings of hauntings that people have noticed. Uh, a lot of it is residents of Vashel passing through, would see lights turning off and on in random windows. Uh, then there would also be reports that doors would be opening and closing by themselves. And they also said the building itself, like, it could be a warm night outside. You go inside the building, it's cold. Mm. And they said it, the temperature even read, like, 40 degrees inside the building. What the hell? So there was also once uh, a visitor to the estate and to the compound had once reported seeing a tightened noose still hanging from a rafter. Along with also a downstairs <sighs> toilet filled with blood. Oh! There's no verified reports of that or any backup source, so... Take it with a grain of salt, you know, toilet blood. That's you kinda, saw that in one source, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I didn't research it more, but that's still kind of yeah, fishy. Yeah, that's know? gruesome. And so definitely shadowy figures have been seen in the building, and there's... And also from the murdered prostitute, I'm not sure how they can verify this, that they've heard singing in there. Dude, that would creep me the hell out. <laughs> yeah, and so as far as the Biltmore, that's about what I have. I know you can go and visit the Biltmore... They said, you know, don't come to the compound or don't go inside the compound. You mm-hmm. can definitely go outside of it. Mm-hmm. But I've heard you should go visit Biltmore, go get what you can out of there, and then go. Yeah. You can check out the compound. But yeah. I don't know if it's, I guess it could probably still illegal to go into the compound, but I'm sure people go in there. like a no trespassing. I know, like, paranormal yeah. investigators go in there and yeah. people. I wonder if Ghost Adventures is done. I feel like we I'm mentioned sure. them, like, every single episode, but they've done a lot of places, and I feel like. Biltmore would be one of them. Yeah. It's pretty well known. From a, one of the wealthiest families in the U.S. 
I don't know if there still are. Let's see, Ghost Adventures, Wait, Biltmore. It's still a family mm. I don't think they have, actually. It doesn't look like it. Oh, they do have a ghost tour for Biltmore, which is cool. Well, I'm sure. Is it a hotel? There's there's Biltmore hotels in the uh, across the country. Like there's one in L.A. There's one in Miami. Okay. So next, so we'll go into Katie's story and see what she has to say about Asheville. Alrighty, so I'm gonna cover the Grove Park Inn. Um, I didn't even know about this place until I went to Asheville, and my cousin took me and Kyle there for a late dinner and or sorry, early dinner, and she took us on a tour of the place and it was massive and um looked really funky from the outside i'll probably post a picture of both the biltmore and the grove park in on our instagram post just so you can see what this place looks like but it's like made of all rock and stone it's just super weird how they designed this but it's massive and so i'm gonna go into the history of the grove park in to start out, so um, Edwin Wiley Grove was known as the father of modern modern Asheville. He was born in 1850 on a small farm in Tennessee. After serving in the Civil War, he had a very definite plan for his life and career. He wanted to go into the pharmaceutical business and go from poverty to being very wealthy, which is like what everyone wants to do. Yep. <laughs> Big dreams. Rags to riches. <laughs> um, so he purchased a pharmacy in Paris, Tennessee in his mid-20s and put in all of his energy into formulating a tasteless i don't know how to say this sorry quinine quinine q-u-i-n-i-n-e quinine i think it's like quinine right okay quinine 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 formulating a tasteless quinine to prevent malaria which was a life-threatening disease that was rampant through the south in the 19th century so after experimenting for several years grove introduced Grove's tasteless chill tonic and experienced immediate success. In the late 1890s, Grove's tasteless chill tonic had become a household staple and sold more bottles than Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. After 20 years on the market, Grove had sold over 1.5 million bottles of his tonic and surpassed his dreams by making millions of dollars, which back then was a hell of a lot of money. Um... Grove himself was often ill. He was afflicted with periods of bronchitis and exhaustion, and his doctors recommended that he go to Asheville, North Carolina, to relax and recover because of the clean mountain air. is supposed to be really helpful. So he spent time in Asheville throughout the year, and that is where he would realize what his next big dream was. And a little backstory on Asheville. It was thought that the altitude and climate – of Asheville would cure tuberculosis, and at one point there was over 130 treatment centers in the city. So, um, Grove had gone there, spent a couple summers, and then decided that um, he would open his own inn in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and that would make him even more rich. So, while pursuing a new pharmaceuticals invention, Grove met Fred Seeley in Detroit, who was making a name for himself in the pharmaceutical business. While working together in Detroit, the two sparked a friendship and mutual admiration. Grove invited Seeley to his summer home in Asheville, and one week later, he left his position in Detroit to work for Grove and his Paris Medicine Company. But business wasn't the only thing that interested Seeley. When Grove introduced his daughter Evelyn to The Bachelor, within 24 hours, Grove had given Seeley permission to wed her. Whoa. Matchmaker, father. 
weird. So Seeley began working for the Paris Medicine Company in June 1898, and in October of that year married Evelyn. Both men ventured into other businesses, including real estate, and in Asheville, Grove began purchasing property. So he had successfully developed residential neighborhoods in Atlanta, and he wanted to do the same thing in Asheville, since it was up and coming. So with the expansion of the railroad and publicity surrounding the opening of George Vanderbilt's Biltmore House, <laughs> good tie-in, Grove was positioning himself as a serious investor in the future of Asheville. In 1909, Grove purchased 408 acres in North Asheville, including what would become the Grove Park Inn. But he would concentrate on residential neighborhoods before ever considering building the hotel. Two years later, Grove began to, began to plan the building of a hotel on Sunset Mountain. In 1911, Seeley became involved with the plans, and after reviewing the plans of several prominent architects, Grove did not find any of them satisfactory. So, um, Seeley ended up sketching his own version of the proposed hotel to Grove, and of course, Grove liked it because it was his son-in-law, so um, he gave Seeley the task of building the hotel. 400 men worked 10-hour shifts six days a week, and with only the use of mules, wagons, and ropes, granite boulders, some weighing as much as 10,000 pounds, were hauled from Sunset Mountain to build the hotel. And Seeley had promised that a year from beginning building, it would be open, and he was true to his word. So in less than one year wow. from groundbreaking, they built this massive hotel. That's impressive. Yeah, it is. For how big it is, it is really impressive. So... Just three days shy of their one-year goal, the Grove Park Inn opened on July 12, 1913. Secretary of State William Jennings Bryan delivered the keynote address to 400 of the most distinguished men of the South gathered for, who had gathered for the opening of the banquet. He had no idea how true his words would become when he proclaimed that the Grove Park Inn was built for the ages. The inn has remained in continuous operation since it first opened. George Gershwin, Harry Houdini, F. Scott Fitzgerald, who I'll talk about later, and even President Obama have all stayed at the Grove Park Inn. And um, many, many, many other. I think like almost every president has stayed there, except for the current president. Um, so known for its elegance and comfort, the Grove Park hosts several world-class restaurants, which I got to eat at one, and it was really, really good, but hella expensive so just fyi if you try and go there it's not cheap um and then there's like a huge spa on site that we got to tour we didn't really like see much but it had like waterfalls and it was like underground and it was really really cool anyways um i think it's like 380 dollars to stay there and i just <laughs> even during the pandemic it's expensive so uh, <laughs> it's expensive yeah Vivian said she stayed there once, and that's only because her house is being remodeled. Oh. And it's, like, literally up the street from her house. Really? So, yeah, yeah, it's really close by. Um, so getting into the hauntings, um, the most infamous one is the pink lady of the Grove Park Inn. She um, has been seen and felt in the halls of the inn for nearly 100 years. She's said to be the spirit of a woman who fell to her death from a balcony on the fifth floor of the inn in the 1920s. She's usually seen in the form of a pink mist or sometimes as a full-fledged apparition of a young woman in a pink ball gown. There are various stories about who this young lady was and how she met her end. Some say that she had come to the inn for a clandestine evening with her married lover. That's scandalous. And then she threw herself from the balcony when he called an end to the affair. 
Others say she was a young debutante who accidentally slipped and fell to her death. So that's up for debate, I guess. I don't, I mean, it was 1920, so who knows. Um, whatever her origins, Pink Lady is a good-natured, even kind spirit. She seems to enjoy the company of children and seems a little more willing to reveal herself to them than to adults. She's been seen by the beds of children who were taken ill during a stay at the end, speaking softly to them and gently stroking their hands. In one famous case, a doctor who had been sitting with his family at the Grove Park left a note when he checked out asking the staff to thank the lady in the pink ball gown and that his children told him how much they enjoyed playing with her during their stay. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> the ghost of the pink lady. Sorry, I lost my place. The ghost of the pink lady is also said to enjoy playing small pranks. She's in blame for lights, air conditioners, and other electrical devices turning on and off by themselves. She seems to enjoy rearranging objects in rooms, and it's also been said that she'll occasionally wake up a sleeping guest with a good tickling on the feet. That's why you keep your feet tucked under the covers. <laughs> So, um, while she's been seen all around the inn, her spirit seems particularly attached to room 545, so if you do ever stay there, you can request that room and hope that you see the pink lady. I personally would not do that, but I also probably wouldn't spend $380 to stay there, so I don't know if I'd ever stay there anyways. Anyways, um, according to tradition, it was from the balcony off of that room that she fell to her death, so obviously attached there because she died there. Um, so the inn's employees are used to the presence of her and treat her as just another part of the tradition of the Grand Hotel. Um, that was a little bit of the haunting. That's the only one I could find was the Pink Lady, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's more because it opened, what, 1913, which is, I can't do math. How long ago was that? <laughs> I can't do the math. We have 2013, so it'll be... Seven. 170 years old. Yeah. God. Dear Lord. Um, so 170 years old, which I wouldn't be surprised. And there's been other events that have occurred there. Like, I'm going to get into F. Scott Fitzgerald. He didn't die there. But, okay, so I'm going to go into Fitzgerald just because I'm a huge fan of him. And The Great Gatsby was, like, the only book I read in high school from front to back. Um, so... Fitzgerald spent two bumpy summers in Asheville at the Grove Park Inn. I guess he just lived there. Um, so he, shoot, where am I? Sorry. At the end, he rented two very simple rooms, one for sleeping and one for writing. Visitors today can see replicas of the dark wooden arts and crafts furniture and tan draperies that were there in Fitzgerald's day. English professor Brian Railsback says the windows in Fitzgerald's room had opportunistic views. So he came to the Grove Park Inn and chose those rooms so that he could overlook the main entrance. And he could see cars as they were pulling up and if there were any interesting women who might appear to be single and what were they wearing. So he would write about, like, <laughs> women. That's kind of creepy as hell. Um, <laughs> um... So Rails Back, who was dean of the Honors College at Western Carolina University, said Fitzgerald was at a low point in his life. He was drinking 50 ponies of beer a day. I don't know what pony means. Does that mean, like, Wait, bottles? Repeat that again? He was drinking 50 ponies of beer a day. Ponies. I, I mean, I'm going to say bottles, but that's a lot of bottles. So, um... He was drinking beer to wean himself off of gin. It was called the beer cure back in the day. 
Um, his writing, which was 10 years after The Great Gatsby was published, had gone flat. He was churning out hack stories for magazines, trying to pay off debts and the bills for his wife Zelda's hospitalization in a psychiatric facility, which is where she was living at the time. Okay, so it's primarily a pony glass, or pony is a, a small glass or measure of alcohol. So it suggests the name was a, col- a colo- colloquialism. Colloquialism. <laughs> Donating something less than full size, like, you know, a pony. So oh, okay. Horse, a pony. Okay, so it wasn't like a full glass, it was like a yeah, shot. Exactly. Okay. Still a good amount of beer. Anyways, um, so, so, um, few magazines were interested in what he was actually writing at the time, and Fitzgerald thought he would get some inspiration from, um, working, or from living at the Grove Park. Um, so, so, um, Oh, sorry. So, time frame. We're in the Great Depression right now. So, um, you're right now currently we're in the Great Depression. <laughs> then and now, the 1920s and the 2020s. Holy shit! Did you not realize that, man? No, I didn't. Yeah, there was a tweet I saw. I was like, man, we didn't even get any of the roaring part. We just got the depression. <laughs> Accurate. Except the crash was in 29, wasn't it? Crash was 29. Yeah. I know that because of the Great Gatsby. Okay. Anyways, um, but yeah, so so like, there is smack dab in the middle of the, the whole uh, idea of um, what are the the, the speakeasies? Yeah, kind of like kind of now, you kind of have to be quiet if you're having a party. Oh my god, dude, that's so weird. Yeah, that's true, and you get shamed if you have a party. Shame. 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 We do not condone parties. Don't do them. But um. Killjoy right now. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not a joy to be around right now currently, but this brings me joy. So thanks, Troy. Um, oh, that rhymed. <laughs> um, so yeah, but that's a good comparison. So underground parties, underground speakeasies, twenties, twenties, underground railroads. Anyways, so going, giving background. This is the depression time. So um, people were obviously not in great moods and didn't like do a lot of. Reading about what was going on with the rich people. Feel that. <laughs> so, um, Fitzgerald turned 40 at the Grove Park and had, like, major issues. He um, broke his shoulder in a bad dive, slipped in the bathroom, and was found on the floor the next morning. So, <laughs> he got injured while staying at the Grove Park, and he let the New York Post send a reporter to visit him and... Um, interview him during this time in his life and the newspaper man portrayed him as a lost soul of the jazz age he was depicted as a very broken man who's physically feeble and mentally very pathetic and reaching to the high boy to have a drink with a nurse on hand to watch him constantly because he had fired off a gun here in the hotel that same summer in 36 so Fitzgerald had a very rocky stay at the Grove Park it appears and apparently he did fire off a gun in the summer of 36, but it was likely not a suicide attempt, though that was the rumor at the time. But he did consider suicide after the newspaper story came out. So he didn't before, but then that story that... Led him to almost. Okay. Led him to almost. Um, so they said it's probably the darkest time in his life. Um, and switching over to Zelda, she... Um, 
was wrestling with mental illness and was staying at Asheville's Highland Hospital and F. Scott rarely visited her there, so I'm sure that was contributing to her mental illness. Um, and rails back this guy that I would took some information from. He said they both realized that they were very upsetting to each other and it was very difficult for them when they were both fragile to be together for any length of time. So they were toxic to each other, so they just he stayed away from her to help her but they were considered like the golden age couple the darlings of the jazz at jazz age and <laughs> were now trapped by the frailties so eventually in 1937 Fitzgerald went west hoping to write for movies and Zelda drifted in and out of Highland Hospital for 12 years where wealthy and often well-known patients came for expensive treatment so she stayed there um for a long time and he just kind of just pieced out said by Zelda you're on your own um Bye, yeah so um Zelda was apparently a chronic schizophrenic um that's what she always was I don't think she just like developed it but oh, yeah, obviously chronic that's what that means um and so he knew she wasn't really going to get any better because she had dealt with it for so long so um but a doctor who had last reviewed her file said that she may have suffered more from bipolar than schizophrenia, which I'm sure back then they were just, like, stamped your schizophrenic and, like, didn't really, like, give them a proper oh, diagnosis oh. at the time. But, um, but she had periods of depression and then she would have periods of high energy and creativity, so she was, like, all over the spectrum. So, obviously, that doesn't sound like bipolarism, but, um... But in those days, um, before psychotropic drugs, patients with chronic mental illness were usually shackled or put in straight jackets. So, um, but apparently the treatment philosophy at Highland was different. So, um, they did treatment plans of activities, good diet, exercise, fresh air, and clean water to help their patients. So it's like really progressive for the time, I feel like compared to like how they used to treat people in psychiatric facilities. So um, Zelda had responded as well as she could to the treatment. But then on March 10th, 1948, a fire tore through the wooden building where she was hospitalized. And there were rumors that that patients were sedated and locked in their rooms and that the fire was set by a vengeful nurse. The building was destroyed and that's where Zelda Fitzgerald and eight others died. I did not know that. So that's very interesting. So, um, so once the building burnt down, um, nothing was ever built on it again as a commemoration of what had happened, and Zelda had actually already outlived F. Scott by eight years. He died in 1940 in Hollywood, where he had just begun pulling himself together. He was drinking less, less and wrote The Last Tycoon, which was an unfinished masterpiece. And them living in Asheville was just a little brief time in their life when things were just wild and out of control. So that was a coverage of the Grove Park Inn and a snippet on F. Scott Fitzgerald. Sorry, the F. Scott part wasn't very um, haunting, but I thought it was interesting. It was interesting. I also <laughs> found something interesting while we were speaking, and it also relates to the beer I was drinking in a place I had talked about. What? So this Forest Street Camp, mm -hmm. the building that was the whorehouse and everything, mm -hmm. uh, it is now a tap room for burial. Wait, are you serious? Mm -hmm. Yep. It, as far, I believe, 2018 is when it became a 
It's not the burial tap room, is it? Not no. The one, okay. But they they purchased the property. And, uh, really? So they turned it into a tap room? That's actually really cool. They purchased a pro- new property in 2015. And yeah, it's now a, a tap room, and pe- people can go there. And I actually found an interesting site that would like, help us if we have anything else we want to talk about called a AVL Today. At, oh, Asheville Today. Well, t- yeah, Asheville Today has 13 Asheville ghosts in the buildings they haunt. And I also want to give credit to AshevilleTerrors.com backslash Biltmore Estate. That's where I got all my information from. And then also the burial website, burial beer website, and then also, yeah, it's, but yeah, that's interesting to find out. That's really cool. And I definitely want to go there since it's now open to the public and people can go and see what it's all about. Yeah, I want to actually give a shout out for my um, <clears throat> my research too. I took info from the Grove Park Inn website as well as an article on NPR and there was one more and I cannot think of it right now and I'm really sorry um, to whoever wrote that and I took oh, rare.us that was actually written on June 3rd, 2020, so really recent um, so yeah thank you all for your contribution contributions to our podcast and to the paranormal community keeping it well and alive mm-hmm. and- yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm definitely gonna check out Burial Pure Top Room at Forestry Camp. Mm-hmm. And if anyone else is interested in in the area, traveling safely within the United States, staying outside, wearing masks, keeping six feet away from people, mm-hmm. pretty easy. Asheville was. I'll have to say, I was very impressed with their restrictions because, like, I felt safer there than I did in Gatlinburg for sure. Because, like, literally everyone was wearing masks, and that was a very mm-hmm. like progressive hippy dippy town so everyone's like obviously like what's the word i'm looking for like concerned so um i definitely recommend if you're looking for a covid safe trip which meh it's very i don't know what the word i'm looking for is like a oxymoron i guess it's nothing's really covid safe uh, yeah i mean like um, if you want to get away from people that yeah you don't know if they have it or not. Mm-hmm. Go out in nature. Go mm-hmm. in the woods. Go camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely a good trip, and Asheville was really great. They have a lot of really good outdoor places. So um, before it gets too cold down there, I recommend visiting. And um, I feel like I had something else to say, and I can't remember it now. But um, hopefully, you guys are staying safe and doing your due diligence, yes. and staying away from people because people are gross and icky and. Pretend they have the cooties, like you're in... Yeah, we gotta act like everyone has freaking COVID. Yeah. That's what... Uh, Wear your mask. Uh, If you don't like wearing a mask, then you're selfish, and I don't like you. And stay home if you're not gonna wear a mask. Yeah, if you don't want to wear a mask, you can stay home. (laughs) No one wants to be around you anyways. Go to Tenna. We'll put you in a closet, like they put Dobby in the closet. Or like, what's that guy from the match warmers? He was afraid of the sun, and he (laughs) lived in the closet. (laughs) He was like eating sunscreen. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That yeah. poor guy. For now, that will be it. Mm-hmm. We want to thank you guys for listening. If you listen all the way through, I track you guys on Spotify. I can see you listen all the way through. You didn't. <laughs> Just because I can't see individually who listened all the way through, but I can see who streamed the whole thing. Well, I can't see. But, can but see you can see who started it and I stopped can, it I can, at some point. I can see a number. That's all I see. I don't see a name. 
So if I saw your name, just know you get a strongly worded letter to your house. <laughs> well, why did you stream all the way through? Like, even if you're not listening to it, just put it, like, I think it's, like, about 20% or, like, 30% on your phone where it, like, track, like, counts it. Oh, really? Yeah, I think if you have Good it muted it. with it, it streaming, it won't count. That's what I heard. Kyle yes. listens to all of our episodes, so he's, like, the one true fan. Yeah, appreciate it, Kyle. <laughs> Thank you. Shout out, Kyle. He keeps so, asking us when we're putting out a new episode, so... So, Here you go, buddy. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Be safe <laughs> out there. Be kind to one another. And just, you know, be be a human being and watch Decent. out for each other and just be nice to each other, you know? Yeah, we could all use that. All <laughs> right. Hops and haunts out. Bye, everyone.